Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome, everybody. We are on episode 73 of Gimme the Creeps for our season one. I guess we're just going to keep going. Yeah. All of them season are in one season. Oh, well. Anyways. <laughs> Happy to have you guys back. Um, My voice is still messed up, so hmm. please, what's the word? Put up with us? No. Bear with me? Yeah, Bear it is. <laughs> Put up with this. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I just realized that I like to start out the episodes asking you a question. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I remember when you started doing that and you just never stopped. I never stopped. Here I go. Ask away. Here's one question for you. In my best Davy Jones voice, which is none at all, <clears throat> do you fear death? Yes. You do? I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're not like curious at all what it's going to be like, or are you just straight up like scared? You don't even want to think about it. I used to not be until I had a dream that it was going to happen and it felt really real. So then I was like, wait, but what's going to happen after this? Um, so that's a hard question. Like I, if I knew what was going to happen after, I probably wouldn't be as scared. Okay. If that makes any sense. I mean, yes, that does. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm sure just like you, everyone else is probably pretty nervous about it. Mm -hmm. um, you wonder what it's going to feel like. Like, will you be scared? Uh, does everything just go black? Is there light? Like, whatever. Mm. Well, and you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a second. Stories about people dying and coming back to life grab our attention in a way that few other things do. And a lot of it has to do with what people see during near-death experiences. Even when people's bodies or brains have technically shut down, those who are then resuscitated still frequently report experiencing everything from complete emptiness to vivid visions and sensory experiences. Mm. So today we're doing near-death experiences. Okay, so exactly what a near-death experience is sort of depends on who you talk to. In the Encyclopedia Britannica, they define near-death experience as a mystical or transcendent, damn it, that word always fucks me up, uh, experience reported by people who have been on the threshold of death. The near-death experience, or NDE, you're going to have to take out, like, all my throat clearings. It's okay. <coughs> and my coughing. Um, as long as your throat clearings don't take you out. <laughs> Actually, now that I... I'm going to I'm gonna do my inhaler very quickly. And you better take that shit out, too. You better okay. <laughs> Normalize inhalers. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking laugh like a goddamn <laughs> uh, member of fucking, what is it called? Uh, AARP? <laughs> no. 
Emphysema fucking support group. Damn. Okay. That sounded powerful. Oh, one quick glass of water or one one quick cup of tea. Cup of coffee. Oh my gosh, I started watching that. I literally started watching that two nights ago when I was in the tub. Oh. I was still dying. I don't even want to watch it. It's good. One quick cup of coffee, and then take him out of town and finish and, the job. Man, I wish my voice wasn't fucked up because I could do it <laughs> perfectly. Um, okay, so the near-death experience or NDE varies with each individual, but characteristics frequently include hearing oneself declared dead, feelings of peacefulness, the sense of leaving one's body, the sense of moving through a dark tunnel towards a bright light, a life review. The crossing of a border and meeting with other spiritual beings, Mm -hmm. often deceased friends and relatives. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, as Gideon Lynchfield noted in an in-depth look at the science of NDEs in the Atlantic in 2015, scientists studying the phenomenon have explained them as being due to oxygen shortage, imperfect anesthesia, and the body's neurochemical responses to trauma. However, wrote Lynchfield, many of the NDEers <laughs> or experiencers community made up of those who have actually had NDEs considered these explanations to be inadequate. Mm. And that has quotation marks around it. Mm-mm. Okay, so... Where you fall on the spectrum likely has something to do with whether you're religious or spiritual. Although part of me also isn't convinced that NDEs must necessarily be either a scientific, biological phenomenon or a spiritual one. I wonder if they could be both. Hmm. That is, whether NDEs can have both biological elements and spiritual ones. After all, your belief system shapes how you view and process the world as such, even if an NDE is, from a technical standpoint, your body reacting to trauma, your belief system might also shape how you perceive the experience itself. Nice. So scientists have found that those who have near-death experiences often experience many things in common. And according to neuroscientists, these are, one, climbing a stairway, Two, messages from deceased loved ones. Three, seeing a white light. Four, presence, a presence of angels. Five, emptiness and time itself. Six, out-of-body experiences. And seven, flashback or a happy memory. Mm. I feel like the last three are the most common. Right. Okay, so with that being said wait have you you haven't had an out of body experience or near death experience have you no no um no thank goodness oh man no my mom did mention one time but it could have just been a dream or some kind of like astral projection slash paranormal thing but my mom did mention that there was one time that my 
I don't remember. I think for sure it was my grandma. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it was my grandma who had just passed away. Um, if it wasn't her, it was somebody else, but a dead, a deceased loved one was in her dream and she was in bed asleep in the dream, but she woke up to them coaxing her out the door and there was like white light behind it. Ooh. And she either, either she told me that in her head, she said, I can't right now, or now's not the time. Or she verbally out loud told the, um, told my grandma, like now is not my time or something like that. But I don't think it would have been real because they I don't I don't know if they would have come to get her necessarily they would have been like it, it isn't your time don't come you know so I'll have to clarify if they either told her not to get up or if they told her come with us and she was like no but I'll mm -hmm. have to clarify it but anyways not not from like a moment of death experience though right there are mm -hmm. some stories that I read that people dreamt that kind of stuff too but I think I left Ooh. those out because they weren't technically like Right. Yeah. That would fall more in the dream realm, I feel like. Yeah, There's a lot of weird things sure. that happen there. For <laughs> sure. So I'm going to get into some stories now, but I'm going to start out with a case study from a book called Beyond the Light by P.M.H. Atwater. Mm. And then <clears throat> I'm going to go into stories from the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website and then, of course, Reddit. Nice. So here we go. If I cry to this story, um, just ignore me. Got it. Hopefully I don't, though, but I know it's going to be fucking sad. Or not oh. sad, it's just going to it's gonna make you cry, too. Ooh, oh, my God. It probably go. will. I know. Prepare yourself. <laughs> People that are listening, I... please prepare yourself. Oh, yeah. I guess I should say right now. Is it trigger warning? <laughs> yes. There's trigger warnings in throughout these all these stories. So okay. anything like just if, if you're triggered by anything, just goodbye. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Actually, what the fuck are you doing here? If you have fucking triggers, get out of here. I know. For real. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Ooh, that's weird that he actually called because he had a near-death experience. <gasps> but he doesn't I asked him about it and he doesn't remember shit god damn it he said the only reason he doesn't remember is because it's been so long but I was like I vaguely remember you saying that you mm. looked up and like he was in darkness and he looked up and he could see a light but in the light he could see people um like the silhouette of people standing around the light whoa and he's like i don't remember saying that and, or he didn't remember anything and i was like i wonder if he's like traumatized by it he doesn't want to remember maybe hmm. yeah, i don't know but uh yeah i wanted him to <laughs> tell me the story so i could use it in this episode but he was like no i don't remember Dang. <laughs> so here we go. Okay, this is the case study. So I found that both adults and children occasionally report being greeted on the other side by animals, especially if uh, favored pets have previously died. But it is the children oh. who describe an animal heaven. Some even insisting that they must mm. go through that before they can reach heaven where people are. 
adult cases can wow. be equally compelling. Several years before his death, Bryce Bond, a famous New York media personality turned Paris psychologist, uh, shared with me the story of what happened to him when he once collapsed after a violent allergic reaction to pine nuts and was rushed to a hospital. He remembered suddenly passing through a long tunnel towards a brilliant light. And then he says, I hear a bark and racing towards me is a dog I once had, a black poodle named Pepe. When I see him, I feel an emotional floodgate open. Tears fill my eyes. He jumps into my arms, licks my face. As I hold him, he's real, more real than I had ever experienced him. I can smell him, feel him, hear his breathing, and sense his great joy at being with me again. Oh, no. I can feel the tingle in my nose of tears. <laughs> no. No. I know. Oh, no. That's sweet. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Uh, I put my dog on the ground and stepped forward to embrace my stepfather, who has randomly come out of nowhere, when a very strong voice is heard in my consciousness. Not yet, it says. I scream out, why? And then this inner voice says, what have you learned and whom have you helped? I am dumbfounded. <gasps> uh, the voice seems to be from without as well as within. Everything stops for a moment. I have to think of what was asked of me. I cannot answer what I have learned, but I can answer whom I have helped. I feel the presence of my dog around me as I ponder those two questions. And then I hear barking and other dogs appear, dogs I once had. As I stand there for what seems to be an eternity, I want to embrace and be absorbed and merge. I want to stay. The sensation of not wanting to come back is overwhelming. Uh, Bryce was also greeted mm. by all of his relatives who had passed on before him. He experienced these loved ones as somewhat younger in form and face than when the, he had last seen them. Um, they were healthier and happier. He remembered racing backwards through the same tunnel he had entered when it was time to leave and reviving in time to witness a hypodermic needle being plunged into his arm. I heard a voice say, welcome back. I never asked who said that, nor did I care. I was told by the doctor that I had been dead for over 10 minutes. Jeez. Whoa. How is that even possible? Oh, my heart. <laughs> I know. I, as I was, whenever I first read that story, um, I did cry. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I was kind of getting getting to that point, too. I mean, to imagine that level of comfort that you'd feel and then have yes. to leave it again. like Oh, my God. But I thought of all the Aww. dogs that I had, and I was like, God damn, there's going to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what took you? And then I was, because most of them were like outside dogs. So I'm like, well, some of them even remember me. Aww, like, I don't think they, they were as attached to me as like most dogs are to their humans. You know, like the dogs that I have now are super attached to me. But the dogs that I had mm -hmm. growing up, I don't think they were as attached because they were outside. Right. So, right. But hmm. I mean, maybe... Interesting. Okay, so here are the stories. The stories from the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website are fucking nuts. Like, they mm -hmm. are nuts. Like, I feel... Like, the specifics well, in that are just, there's like, intense. The probably. ones that I picked, I think I picked two, because I was just like, these are fucking ridiculous. But the ones that I picked are 
tame <laughs> compared to the ones that I was reading. Like some of them, I was like, somebody that has some sort of mental illness has come on here and is just spewing shit that comes to their brain. Like there's no way it was just mm-hmm. some of it was just really out there, but um, these two are not as crazy. So here we go. Uh, the first story is by Niels W. I must have been three or four years old when I underwent an eye surgery to correct the vision in one of my eyes. During the surgery, I underwent anesthesia and all was well until I felt my chest hurting. Suddenly, I rocketed out of my body and I could see myself on the surgery table. The doctors were all scrambling and I thought to myself, why are they acting like that? I feel great. I was then pulled upwards from my body. I thought, well, I guess this is it. Goodbye, body. I was then taken into a tunnel by an individual made of light. I had seen the individual before the anesthesia was given to me. When I first saw this being, I thought, who are you? But no answer came at that time, nor did an answer come while I was led through the tube of light. Then I was inside a void with the mysterious being. I asked this being, who are you? And the being said, who do you want me to be? The being then took on my mother's voice and said, I can use this voice if it makes you comfortable. When I declined, the being switched voices again and talked in my deceased grandfather's voice. I felt more at ease then. Mm -hmm. Oh, that would make me sad. Um, I was given a life review while inside the void. During this review, I told the being to pause. I wanted to better examine the parts of my life. I was then able to view these events from overhead. The life review did not last long because I asked the being something that surprised it. Can I plan my next reincarnation, I asked. The being said, usually people wait until their actual death to choose their reincarnation. I thought you weren't allowed to choose. I don't know. I'm talking about it like (laughs) it's set in stone. I know. This being doesn't (laughs) care about its job as much, maybe. Yeah, sure, you can go ahead and pick. Uh, I was persistent because I already knew where I wanted to go, Japan. I was then taken to Japan via an overhead view. The being and I looked at various cities until we reached uh, um, Numero. I don't know where that is, but it's somewhere in Japan. Uh, I told the being that I wanted to be reincarnated here. Then I was given a temporary glimpse into my next life. All I remember about this part was that I was male and was wearing a dark colored coat that was accented by stylish, by a stylish autumn scarf while I stood in front of the train station. And then I returned to the void. I was suddenly dragged back into my body as the doctors restarted my heart. The revival soon failed and I was pushed back into the void. I was back with the being. The being asked me multiple questions during the reincarnation conversation and would will allow me to be autistic during my next life as well. During the end of the conversation, I asked, wait, can I see my grandfather? And the being said, not yet. Whoa, I'm getting massive deja vu right now. 
Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Of me reading. I mean, I've already read the story, but like of me saying the story out loud. Ooh. In this moment. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, wait, can I see my grandfather? And the being said, not yet. For the sake of my mother, I returned permanently to my body. After the surgery, I thought to myself, I saw an angel, but did not speak about it to my parents. I strongly believe that I will be reincarnated mm. in the body that I... Huh? In Japan. Yeah. Uh, in, in Japan. In my next life. I believe our souls get some choice during the death process. It was interesting. Whoa. That felt very... It felt very much like Coco, like how the how it's run how the business is run up there yeah <laughs> or wherever oh i love that movie anyways i know we do the station i like the how they made that idea me too they could have done it in like a bunch of different ways and i like that they did it that way um okay the next story is by carrie b i have a memory Slash vision of viewing my unconscious <laughs> of viewing my unconscious crippled body on the ground from fifteen to twenty feet above. I recall no sound. I was just floating above, observing the scene. Everything was very still and silent. No one else was present. Not my friend, our horses, or the helicopter and EMTs who came to get me. Excuse me. It was just me in my jeans and pink shirt lying on my side, crumbled and unconscious. A second memory later in the day, I suspect a second memory later in the day, I suspect of observing myself from above on a gurney in a hospital hallway with warm gold, with warm golden or orange lights or walls uh, near a nursing station and later in CT. I'm sure plenty of people were there, but I saw none other than my lifeless body. Both memories are very quiet and serene. I was just floating and observing. It was sad, frightening, and peaceful. I was just watching myself or my body so still and lifeless. It was as if I was given a choice or pondering as to whether to return or move on <clears throat> or just put there to observe myself. I was in a coma for 10 days and woke to hearing loss and brain troubles. My life, which had been at its peak, finally, just before the accident, crumbled and I became withdrawn, angry, erratic, and struggled in school with self-esteem and in friendships. I went from being voted friendliest and cutest couple in my senior class to becoming a social pariah. I struggled with anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem since then. 25 years later and six months in to recognizing I'm working on my PTSD and exactly 25 years after the accident, on a beautiful walk in my current state of Massachusetts, I found myself on a beautiful street with lovely little old, at least 100 years, uh, houses near my home that I'd never seen before. <clears throat> I felt so comforted and cozy 
Uh, I felt so comforted and cozy there as if I was meant to be or live there. The feeling was so comforting and spiritual, unlike anything I'd ever felt. Then a few minutes later on another more similar street, I felt a sudden rush of joy and exhilaration hit my chest. It was as if my spirit had returned. I suddenly felt strong, confident, and happy as my 17-year-old self had felt prior to the accident and all the turmoil it has caused in my life. Maybe a few weeks or days after that walk, on another walk in a nearby beautiful cemetery on a cloudy afternoon, a sudden spot of focal golden light on a gravestone caught my eye. I retraced my steps and the grave, 100 years old, and one I'd never seen before was that of a woman with the same name and last initial as me, Carrie B. She had died young, I think in her 20s or 30s. As I retraced my steps to confirm what I'd seen, ravens in the trees above started crowing and rustling leaves, and I realized that it was identical to the fall day in Missouri exactly 25 years ago when ravens spooked my horse on the trail minutes before my accident. <gasps> I got the same feeling with being connected to my true self slash spirit as I had the week before on my walk. My whole body was humming, thrilled, and comforted. I could not look away. So can a spirit leave the body and not fully return for 25 years? Since then, I have felt more myself, unlike I have felt in 25 years. And the circumstances of my life, I'm finally engaged in living and pursuing my dreams again have improved immensely. I'm nuts. Mm. See what I'm saying? They're like out there. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's like realigned or something. I thought that was a, yeah, I thought that was like a. I'd never thought of it, it that way or like if it could have Like she was just solved. waltzing around soulless. Right. That's crazy. I would have never thought about that. So now we move on to the Reddit stories. These are fucking nuts. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to say the names of the people that or the handles of the people that posted them. Okay. So maybe I should. The first one is Crunchbum. And they mm-hmm. said... Both of my grandpas died and came back. I asked each what they saw. I had grandpa number one. He was in the Navy out on a vessel. He worked himself to death and died of heat stroke. He said he remembered people taking him to the nurse, lying on a bed, then feeling himself rip away from his body. And he said it felt like Velcro. He says that he remembered looking down on himself and the situation, seeing himself dead on the bed, the nurse and his crewmates rushing around panicking. Then he was sucked back into his body. He had been pronounced dead for an entire minute. Grandpa number two. This grandpa isn't a huge talker. For as long as I've known him, he's always been a very quiet man. I don't remember how he said he died, but he was also dead for a minute or two. He said everything went black and he couldn't feel anything, and he saw a light, and he saw his deceased mother and father waiting for him by the light. Then the light faded back to black, and a different shade of light came back, the one in the hospital room. 
My grandma died a few years back. He loved her with every ounce of himself. And he told my brother that he still sees her regularly and she still visits him all the time and no one believes him. Mm. That's sad. Henny's Travels said, my grandpa was a trucker and was in a bad accident. He died and was resuscitated. He said the other side was just cold and black. But my guess is that his brain and nervous system were still functioning after his heart stopped. And that's what he was feeling. But I don't know. Mm. I was like, all right, party pooper. I know, right? (laughs) Jigsaw's support said... Uh, honestly, I saw pain, uh, pain beyond all imagining or comprehension. I mean, the question is, what did you see? And my answer might seem strange because you can't see pain, right? But you definitely can. You can feel so much pain that your brain gets scrambled. And what? Um... Okay, so pain can not only be seen, it can it has a taste and a sound and a texture. It tastes of horror and sounds like <laughs> it tastes of horror and sounds like doom and the sound of ear splitting nothingness and time stretches and bends at angles from the norm and you can feel yourself dissolving into the nothing. In short, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I was like starting to trip that's what i would be afraid of like i was really starting to trip reading some of these because i just was like what the fuck uh, <clears throat> yeah the details like when squidward is finally alone and it's horrible oh god yes <laughs> that episode was Ew. it fucked me up a little bit very uncomfy yeah this user there they deleted their i guess their account Uh, Because it said deleted, but um, they said, when I was 12 years old, I died from a a full cardiac arrest. This was at a high school football game, American. I can only remember flashes of memories from a few hours before until two weeks after the incident. Riding in the back of our truck to the game, sitting in the stands with my mom and how annoying the opposing team's chant was. I remember a lot of black, which quickly enclosed like a shell into a tunnel. The tunnel itself was made of metal and looked exactly like the tunnel from Bespin, where Luke ends up. I'm, I'm going to assume that that is a Star Wars reference, but I could be wrong. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think my mind could comprehend what I was seeing, what it was seeing. So it filled in the gaps as best as it could. The feeling was awesome, though. Unless you've seen it, there are really no words to describe it. I think this is because I cannot convey the emotions and feelings to you. They are very intense. I was dead with no heartbeat for a little over four minutes. This caused massive problems later with memory loss and other brain damage. My mother said I was literally crazy for about two weeks after this. I was constantly talking to the monk in the corner and that my cat was being tortured in the next room and that my mother had three Ooh. eyes. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that was from coming back to life after being dead for four minutes. 
So yeah, pretty much. Um, on the bright side, I had a full page article in both schools yearbooks that year. So I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> PM me logical fallacies said I attempted suicide a few months ago I was hanging myself in my garage I get the ropes ready put on some music stand on some cinder blocks secure the rope around my neck oh yeah this is a major trigger warning then I send a few texts and kick down the cinder block tower pop I'm dangling above the concrete floor. My first thought was, what the fuck am I doing? It then progressed Mm. into, how do I get down? How do I get down faster and faster Mm -hmm. until I forgot how I got up there? I kept reaching for the ground, but I couldn't understand why it was so far away. My thoughts became more sparse. Sparse. (laughs) My vision began stuttering. Can your vision stutter? Yeah, I think when it... Oh my gosh, I never knew that that was the term for it. Wow. You've never had that happen where it feels like your vision is very fluttery? Like it won't uh, like it won't yes, stay clear? Yes, but I didn't know you could say it was Like it's kind stuttery. of staggering as you move your eyes? Huh, I didn't know that I would have said that, but fluttering, definitely. Darker and darker until the deepest blackness imaginable. Then it was just peace. I felt calmer than I ever had before. I felt happy, like it was purely a blissful experience. After that came the light. It wasn't a solid white light. It was like headlights and heavy fog driving fast right at me. I felt my stress and anxiety rushing back. Happiness drained from my body. I was awake, but it was like a dream. I slowly regained proper consciousness over the next few days, and I had the shakes extremely bad for the next week. My rope had snapped, and because of that, I'm alive. <gasps> Jeez. Whoa. Yeah, going without oxygen like that can really mm-hmm. mess you up. Well, intense. Adequate husband said, <laughs> I had my heart chemically stopped due to a heart issue, so was sort of dead for a few seconds. Uh, My brain was still going, but every part of my body was screaming to it for attention all at the same time, and it was a terrible feeling. The one thing that was cool is my life started flashing before my eyes. It's like a fact dump by your mind when it thinks you're dying to see if there's any information you can use to get out of there. Like a huge Mm. flick book of your life in a fraction of a second in your heart. And then my heart kicked back in and all was well. Hmm. I never thought of that being the reason. That you see that everything? You go through your memories yeah. like that? I didn't mm-hmm. either. I thought that was pretty cool. Biological. Not uh, emotional mm-hmm. driven. <laughs> it's like, find the will to live. Yeah. Here's your happy memories. That's how, that's how I thought of it. There is. No, it's like it. fucking Spongebob looking. What's his it's name? Spongebob. There's nothing. <laughs> Give me a name. Um... <laughs> everything's on fire <laughs> yeah i have three kids you can't fire me <laughs> uh, the caped cadaver said uh just pitch black everywhere i couldn't see touch or feel anything like my feet didn't even touch anything it was just endless darkness everywhere forever 
I don't Whoa. say. I mean, if you stop existing, then nothing else exists around I you. I think those that's, are the ones that scare me the most. That's what I was going to say. I was like, if it is that. But you know what? That's scary. There are some stories that start out that they're in darkness and then all of a sudden there's light and there's like things happening. So I'm wondering if the people that were in darkness weren't in the on the other side long enough to get through. You know what I mean? Right. It kind of yeah, gave they were just head. like then that's even scarier because then they'll be afraid to pass on eventually knowing yeah. what they know or thinking, you know, yeah. that it's that and that's it. <gasps> oh Jesus. I don't want to know then. Ooh, ooh, mark my words. If I'm if I'm on my way, you better keep it going because I'm not coming back and being like, man, I don't want to go back to that. I feel other like side. you would be traumatized Imagine if you wouldn't be able to talk fear, about it. Just like living in fear forever. Right. I feel that I feel the same way. I don't know how some of these people can, I don't know, get over it or accept it and be like, well, if that's what it is, that's coming back for me later, then that's yeah. what it is. I don't want to know. Mm. Um, yeah, I kind of, I want to experience it. Like I want, I want yeah. to, but at the same time, I don't. At the same time. Right. It's like whenever we don't know what's going to happen at the oil change and we would go together and be like, once yes. we go, we're going to figure this out and know how it goes. But that's like with anything. I get nervous at doctor's appointments or anything just because I don't mm-hmm. know what to expect. Yep. And that's the same, that I is, guess that's the same kind of uh, application. That is right on yes. Jeez. Yeah, we can't just like, let's just see what it's like and we can come back and, you know, because <laughs> eventually we're all going to mm. die. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, uh, but if you have spiritual ties, maybe that's why their near-death experiences are different. Yeah. Their brain mm. just kind of manifests what... But- Talk Good about that await. a little bit further down. Oi. And then chemicals. Uh, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. also different. Um, mm-hmm. Reaper Spare said, the only thing I remember was a bunch of yelling and then darkness for a couple minutes. As a religious person, I was disappointed. But then I heard a voice ask if I wanted to go back to my family or die, which I was like, what the hell just happened? And then they repeated the question and I didn't do anything because I couldn't. And then I woke Mm -hmm. up, which was what I would have chosen. So I guess I did pick. Creepy. If that's what the question was asking, then that's what it was like. But honestly, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear any other beings. It was like a voice in my head I could tell wasn't mine. I have a rather monotone voice and I could feel the pure happiness in the voice that I heard. That's kind of creepy. That is. It's Ooh, like, oh. No, that scares me. Oh my God. That is kind of weird. Yeah. Now that they mention it that way, it's like, okay, then this is not a human yes, being who's lived I pictured like trials and tribulations. A fucking creepy ass clown, like super happy that I'm dead now. Oh, but if you think about it in terms of all dogs go to heaven, she was super chipper. Oh, yeah, she was. Welcome to doing whatever. Oh, my gosh. She did it perfectly. I want to scream, Charlie. <laughs> but, yeah, my voice. My oh, voice. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> that was pretty close. Man, it's such a great scene. He doesn't care. He's just rewinding the watch while she's talking. <laughs> Is that what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay, now I'm not as scared. Anyways, <clears throat> this is my coping mechanism. <laughs> um, this one's a fucking good one, dude. Oh, God. <clears throat> Here I come. It's chills. Here we go. Okay, Smokey McTokerson, who I fucking love Perfect. their name, said... I really like that. Uh, I died for a very short period due to a drug overdose uh, before passing Ooh, out. I was about to ask. All I remember is lying on my bathroom floor, sweating profusely. That's when my roommate found me and called an ambulance. I had stopped breathing for a few minutes before they arrived. Then shortly after, my heart stopped. But thankfully, they were able to revive me. I don't remember anything about the dying part or the hospital stay. It's what happened when I got home that I remember well because it freaked me the fuck out. You see, mm -hmm. a few weeks prior, I had burned a quarter-size hole in my couch armrest with my cigarette while playing video games. But now, the hole <laughs> was gone like it never happened. No. <laughs> The night I originally burned it, I had a few friends over and we did our best to make the burn hole at least uh, as least noticeable as possible. But there's only so much you can do. So I lived with the hole for weeks, picking at it every time I sat in that spot. Anyways, when I first noticed it was gone, I thought I was having a psychiatric breakdown. Did someone come in and switch out my couch? Like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I know it's such a small, inconsequential thing, but it's such a strange feeling to be sure of something happening, and yet there is no proof that it ever existed. So I asked all my friends if they remembered, and of course no one did. So I moved on, <sighs> though always thinking about how strange that was. Then, about two or so weeks later, I was sitting in the same spot playing video games while smoking a cigarette, and wouldn't you know it, I burned a hole in the exact same spot as I'd remembered from before. <gasps> Needless to say, I was more than a little freaked out by this. Unfortunately for me, this has yet to disappear. Isn't that a fucking trip? And the worst part is, is he can't be, they can't be like, oh, see, you know, I'm ahead of this or whatever. Cause it just, they'll be like, dude. Yeah. Like you fucking did that intentionally. There were, right. there were replies to that comment. And one of them was like a dude saying what I think happened was when you died, you were in one like dimension reality. or yeah, reality and when you came back, you came back into a different one. Jeez. Yeah, and it was just slightly uh, mm -hmm. misaligned with yes. his memory. Isn't that <gasps> creepy? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. We. No. I'm wondering if that's what people are talking about whenever they talk about, like, that we've entered a new dimension or whatever. It's something so subtle that you really had to have been there and done it or realized or noticed. Yeah. You know, because with the hole in the, the people had to have been there to see it happen or else they're like, that didn't happen. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, I would have like, been. Uh, yeah, with all this other I stuff I would have been too. fucking freaking out though. Like, 
insisting like you were here you were standing here and you were standing there and you tried to sew it back together but your dumbass doesn't know how to sew so it didn't work right I wish and then I wish it would have happened exactly because sometimes just like how you just called out your deja vu sometimes I'll call it out to Hunter too but by the time I told him about it something slightly is different I do remember you saying that so a reaction yeah so like a reaction is slightly different than what it would have been if I just didn't say anything or didn't even notice it was deja vu but the memory is like still in my brain of how it went what I was exactly saying what was going on what we were driving past or whatever it's all exactly the same. And it's like so such a weird familiarity. Yes, there. I hate it. I hate it. But it'll change the second yep. you open your mouth. It changes the outcome yes. of it. And so that's exactly what happens with this Mandela effect bullshit. It's like there's going to be people that never remembered it that way because they're from that other reality. So it's always going to sound like, you're, like mm-hmm. you're not making any sense. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so if he would have spelled it out to everybody, like you were doing this, you were doing that, that would have been insane if all of their instincts would have been to do exactly what he said. And then they realized like he was right. Like this is just, it happened in a different reality, but we would have gone about yeah. it the same way. Mm. Try to hide the hole, try to clean it up. The exact Weird. same way. Oh my goodness. No. And then they all would have made eye contact with each other. Like, is this what he was talking about? Oh no, no. I wouldn't be able to like. I wish that kind of shit would happen. (laughs) Maybe that's why I haven't had a near death experience. Right. Because the the universe is like, okay, I don't think she can handle it. Right. That's what I was thinking. Her brain is going to explode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or I'm just going to go on an endless quest on figuring it out and it's just going to be for nothing because everybody's like not going to believe me. Yeah. (laughs) You're just going to become like those people (laughs) that are super into conspiracy theories. Yes, that meme. What's the girl version with of all the red string? <laughs> um, right. Fuck, I don't remember even don't what know. those people are called. They're not neck beards. Neck beards are like gross. But <laughs> the nerdy, the guy. nerd guy that thinks he knows everything, and he fucking he's so underground. Yeah, he's at the bottom of the iceberg or whatever yes. they call the conspiracy theory iceberg. Um. No. Okay. Running for scissors said there was blackness all around, no friends, family, etc. Just a light over my head that would point in the direction I looked. But I could never see farther than like 20 feet. And when I tried to yell, it just came out as a squeak. If that. That's fucking scary. That's a nightmare. Whenever I read it, it reminded me of Insidious, like when he's outside of the house. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Those movies are they good. I don't care. Are, but they have actively <laughs> ended my astral projection, like dreams. Abilities? Oh, dreams. Whoa. Yes. I've wanted, I want to do it so. I've tried it once and then it freaked me out. So I couldn't do it anymore. But the, and then I saw Insidious and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm never doing this. Right? You meet someone you've never met. Like, oh. <gasps> oh my god, I just remembered. I fucking meditated for the first time in like, I don't know how long the other day. Mm-hmm. And I literally like, I was sitting on my bed and I was like, cross, like crisscross applesauce sitting and mm-hmm. I get, I, 
I thought that I couldn't feel the bed anymore. Like I felt like I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel what I was sitting on anymore. And I was like tripping. I was in my brain. I was like, you're going to fucking lose it. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. Right, 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 right. So levitating. I tried really hard not to think about it. And then I fucking, I couldn't stop. So I was like freaking out. I opened my eyes and, uh, and I also felt like somebody was like walking towards me as I was trying not to freak out too. So I opened my eyes and, um, you know how you can feel like somebody's standing there? That's what it felt like. Um, but I opened my eyes and I was like, Oh, I'm on my bed. Well, I fucking get off. I, I like undo my legs. My fucking legs just fell asleep. And that was why I, I felt like <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But it was exciting. Well, I was like, yes, I'm finally cool. connecting back. In the zone. Yes. It takes a lot of focus to stop thinking. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and it's the only reason I was able to do it was because I put earplugs in. Oh. And I was also trying to use my tarot cards after that. And uh, oh. yeah, those, the new tarot cards that I got. Yes, awesome. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. Wait, they're Deftones ones. Well, right? I got those. I and then I also got the Disney villain ones. <gasps> awesome. Yeah, I love Very those. Cool. Those are my new faves. Wow. I can't use the Deftone one. Well, I could, but um, it's not a full deck, it's just the main cards but right anyways i'm sure people don't want to hear about my fucking life (laughs) it's your spirituality so cedar wolf said i've died once i don't remember much about it except there was a nice dark nothingness which i guess felt kind of cozy but i also knew it was the end so I'd better not. I don't know. I knew I wasn't supposed to go into the dark. Like, Mm -hmm. I was in the dark, but I wasn't supposed to be enjoying it because if I embraced it too much, I would die. It was Mm kind of like falling asleep and vaguely remembering a dream when you wake up. That's scary. Whoa. George Starr said, anaphylactic reaction to an already deadly jellyfish sting I coded. I saw this white light and could see myself floating upwards. I saw my family and the doctors and nurses who were working on me. I came back and I was in intense pain. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, since you mentioned meditating, uh, you've heard of that cryo chamber therapy stuff. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're like floating in a big tank and it's in complete darkness and it's water. Mm-hmm. Like the, what they do and- to Eleven in Stranger Things. Yes, exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter wants to do it really badly, no. but I don't know. What if I freak out? I'm like, get me out of yeah, here. Yeah, dude, I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Drown. There was a creepy pasta that I read about that, and it was like they went in and something saw them or something. Uh-uh. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. I was like, well, fuck that. Yep. Another deleted account said, What I remember is a vast nothingness. It's hard to describe as we're always surrounded by something wherever we go. But suddenly in this vast nothing was a blinding pinprick of light that got larger. Either I was moving towards it or it was moving towards me. But as I got closer, what appeared to be a single light resolved into... 
oh, resolved into first one and then several and then millions upon millions of stars of all shapes and sizes and colors along with a ton of nebula, nebulae, I don't know what the plural nebula is. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. As I approached the center, it seemed like I was joining a universal consciousness, a being made up of the thoughts, emotions, and experience of everyone and everything that I had ever lived. I'm sure it was all just a hallucination brought on by the trauma I had suffered the few days combined with my heart uh, breathing stopping, but there's a part of me that hopes that what I saw is what really happens when we die. Free Hat McCall said, It felt like I was in a long tunnel, just floating and feeling very tired. I remember falling asleep and having a dream that I was in the kitchen in the house where I grew up, and my dad was cooking breakfast. I could hear a commotion and chaos at one end of the tunnel, and at the other end was a warm light that felt peaceful. Then, all of a sudden, I was abruptly in the chaos of an emergency room. Cool444 said, I was about 15. I climbed on top of the kitchen counters to grab something from the top cabinet. I slipped and fell headfirst on the marble floor. The next thing I knew, I was walking in water barefoot. I look up to my upper right hand side and there's a bright light with a hand poking out, making the come here gesture. I walk towards Uh. it. Meanwhile, I realize the peaceful and relaxing state that I'm feeling, like the best deep sleep ever. And I say to myself, man, this is awesome. I never want to wake up. And then all of a sudden I jolt and I wake up to my mom wailing her lungs out. Apparently I was stiff, cold, with no heartbeat, and I managed to piss my pants. (laughs) 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 The full release. Uh, Whiskey Nostalgic said, my dad died briefly and said that he went down a long hallway to a door. When he was going to open it, he felt himself being sucked back into his own body. Okay, so right here, I'm pretty sure that I've already said this story in previous episodes, but I'm going to say it again just in case there's a new listener, which there probably isn't, but just in case. Um, I did I I did say it right okay so once upon a time I got really high and I text Abby and I still have it like (laughs) it was the first time that I was smoking um from a cart like a cartridge so it was like yes. very strong concentrated yes yes and i was not prepared for that because i don't i didn't smoke weed like i you know so right it was a new experience but i got way too fucking high and i text abby and i said abby i got too high I legit feel like I'm about to be sucked into a different dimension and I keep trying to hold on to this one. 
dude listen to this i feel like i'm running through this hallway lined with doors and i'm entering each one and each one is someone's mind like i'm jumping around to different beings minds by going through the doors and currently i'm in this one and then i guess i lost that train of thought and i was like i feel like an alien or maybe i got so high that the little alien in my brain has started to get high and tell me its secrets (laughs) whoa yeah so yep i've been reading all of these stories and i'm like did i fucking almost die (laughs) no don't ever say that's it's literally what i felt like like i felt like but yes i was about to um ask about that because some of these are not mentioning if they are overdoses, but I feel like a lot of the ones that are overdosing have like an induced form of like, not ego death, but it's like a mix between the DMT yes. that's already going to happen because you're dying yes. and then the drugs effects yes. as well. So say, because whenever you were telling that, I was so I was so quiet and like deep in thought, thinking about how I also climb on top of the cabinets when I need something, or I climb on top of the countertop. So I'm like, if I'm stoned as fuck and I'm like trying to get Cheez Its out of the freaking pantry high shelf, and I'm climbed on top of the countertops, oh, no. if I fell and like that happened, it would be completely different probably than that person's because I'm super high while I'm passed out or near dead. Ooh. So I wonder. I wonder, too. There are some. And, yeah, sometimes the edibles really do feel like that. Like, they feel like you're going so fast, and you're not even moving, but you feel like you're moving, and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. And you're just, like, (laughs) trying to lay there and, like, drink water and not panic. Yes. But it can feel like you're dying. Like, you can't catch your breath. It's weird. So I can't imagine how harder drugs must feel on top of whatever accident happened. Um, there are some stories later that, or a story or two later that do talk about overdosing. Yeah, Um, like heroin or, I don't know. I didn't even... It makes me think of Kurt Cobain a lot because a lot of his writing and what he talked about when he talked about his drug use was like, he was chasing, um, not oblivion, but there's another word he would use. I guess Nirvana or... (laughs) Stop it. Some other word, I forgot what word he would always use, but he was always chasing that same kind of high where it's like so much comfort that you feel like you're dead, but yeah. you shouldn't want to feel that level because then you're dead. You're yeah, probably the only way on the, yeah, you can feel that you're on the cusp yeah. of your heart stopping. But, anyways, go on. Um, I don't know. A lot of these stories talk about hallways and doors and shit and feeling their souls like like the sucking feeling like literally that's what it felt like whenever I was fucked up like I said that I I felt like I was sitting stationary on the couch I was not moving Mm -hmm. I was stuck on the couch but it felt like my soul was literally holding on to my body like it was holding on to my spine and Mm -hmm. my feet were up like I don't know. It was like literally like something was sucking my soul out of my body, but I kept telling myself, do not let go. Like you cannot float away. Yes. And I always feel like I'm peeing. <laughs> and oh I'm my not. God. That's. 
And I freak out and I'm like, am I peeing? And I keep going to the bathroom because I think that's what's happening. Like I need to go pee really bad. It just feels like something's like rushing out of me. It's weird. That is weird. Maybe it's like, I don't know. (laughs) That's why I don't get high like that in public because like when I was watching old and people were bleeding to death and stuff and I was on my period and I literally felt like blood was just rushing onto the theater seat. Cause I thought I was just so paranoid about it. <laughs> oh, I was just stoned. Oh man. Hunter's trying to talk to me and I'm like, uh-huh. And I'm like scared. And I'm like, okay, don't tell him. Cause he's going to laugh. He's going to be like, are you okay? I'm going to charge you. Anyways. Oh, yes, exactly, shit. and I hate it. Like I'm a responsible drug user, okay? I'm just freaking out that I'm fucking. I'm just. I know I took two, but that's the thing is, chair. like, right? I have to. I have to fight those ideas, and then still be like, you're just freaking out. You had too much. Just drink water and sit here and don't worry about it. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> oh my god. Don't think about it. <clears throat> Here we go. Uh, Technique said, I got hit by a car when I was three. Uh, my heart stopped for just shy of two minutes. I had lost a ton of blood. We were just talking about that. And Ooh. was dealing with insane amounts of trauma as far as nerve endings go. I had a really weird mm. out-of-body experience. There was a Taco Bell in the corner of the strip mall we were at. The guy dropped the order when the, I guess the guy that worked at Taco Bell dropped the order when the police cruiser arrived after I was already in the back of the fire truck and he ran his siren. Oh, I don't know. And he ran his siren to make sure people cleared away from him and the worker dropped the meal. Okay. That was a long ass sentence to just say, the dude dropped the bag whenever the fucking cop let out the siren Mm. but okay so this person's seeing it and they're looking down they're seeing it from above Uh, my mom was sobbing and my dad was literally holding her arms to keep her from coming to me while they were all swarming me there was this equipment and yelling and I saw it through toddler eyes so I guess that's how I remember it I got this feeling like it's time to go. So I watched my mom as I left. I got sucked into a vacuum. It felt like I ended up in this space Mm. that was empty. It wasn't black. It was just simply void. And all I felt was like when you need a hug the most, when you're at your very worst, uh, when a single kind touch will make your emotions burst, that times a million. Um, okay, well then I felt hug, I felt that hug and honestly, I can't even describe like the feeling that it gave me. It felt like a welcome home message and then it all blacked out and I woke up in in the ICU and I was fucking terrified of the beeping and tubes and screamed until my dad came and comforted me. Isn't that weird though? Like a three-year-old is picturing this. Right, and they can describe all the sensations and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's weird. 
that's what's weird and it can't it could be like a mixture of memories and imaginations doing the brain work and then whatever the paramedics are doing is what they feel so when they felt like they were in a vacuum that might have been whenever they put them on the stretcher and they have to kind of wrap them oh that's what I was imagining them having to like pick them off the floor and wrap them in or like use that thing to put them onto that. And then from the floor, they get onto something else and like gurneys being switched. And maybe, yeah, could be a bunch maybe of it's the picking up off the floor movement and the morphine or whatever they're using to stop the bleeding, yeah. like just different things that make you feel the sensation, but your eyes are shut. So you're seeing something else and it just feels like you just feel things around right. you. Mm, strange drew sparrow said i made a suicide attempt about six years ago i was clinically dead for about only a minute but the place i went to time means nothing there when i came back it felt like i it had been two hours uh, I can only describe it as existing only as your consciousness, but in an altered consciousness. Mm. I didn't feel anger, sadness, anxiety. I remembered the feeling of these emotions, but I could no longer feel them. I also could not feel happiness per se, but more like just at peace. I still knew who I was or who I had been, but I could not feel like any human emotion like I felt when I was in my body. <clears throat> I did not feel extreme negative emotions or extremely positive ones like intense joy, happiness, excitement. I just felt very calm and matter of fact. The only thing I could feel was love. I could feel love for the people I was close to and I really wanted to be near them. It was also... Uh, things don't look the same when you're dead because you're no longer in your body looking with your brain and your eyes and your consciousness that is generated by your living brain. The things I saw were real, but just altered. I remember looking at my body. I remember looking around the room. I could see colors on a spectrum that I couldn't when I was alive. I could see energy and UV light. I could see the electricity running the lights and through the wall. Also, I could see everything around me, including my own body that I just left, as if it was in the fourth dimension. I could see inside of things, and I could see through, I could see outside through the walls and into the ground through the floor and into the sky through the ceiling. I could see inside my body and other people's bodies. I know it sounds insane. I could also, I know it sounds insane. I could also not necessarily hear, but I could know people's thoughts like telepathically. It was like I was connected to every person I could see from where I was. I also knew that I could go further if I wanted to. I just knew instinctively that if I wanted to cross over and stay dead, that I could go into what I can describe as the fifth dimension where you go if you want to stay dead and don't want to get back into your body. <clears throat> I could see it and feel it, and I knew I had a choice to go there or get back in my body. Obviously, I chose to get back in my body as I'm here now. Also, and this is hard to explain, but when you're dead, nothing's a secret to you. Like I said, you can hear and feel people's thoughts and feelings like you're them. And when I came back, I was able to talk to people 
and was able to talk to people. I was able to confirm the things I'd found out, things that people I knew or was close to were thinking or had done in the past that they thought nobody knew about, things I couldn't or shouldn't have known. Also, as I mentioned before, time is an illusion. I also was able to see things that were going to happen in the future. See, I liked this entire story until this point. It's too much now. It's like hard to Uh, believe. Yes. I also was able to see that things were going to happen in the future. And I can tell you that the things I knew would happen a few years down the road if I chose to stay alive did happen. Time is not linear. Not really. It just seems like it is when you're alive and in a body. That's how you perceive it when you're alive. But when you're dead, time is not linear and you know things that have happened in the past that you didn't know about when you were alive and you know what will happen in the future. You can see it as if it's all happening at once. It's hard to explain. All in all, it was bizarre. And I now know that there is a consciousness after death, a very altered one where you're still you as an individual mass of energy but you're also very connected to everyone and everything. So it's like being part of a collective consciousness of everyone, both dead and alive. It's a place of light energy and no boundaries. And there's an even more complex place you can go to if you choose to stay. If you choose to stay, your brain will die and it's permanent. I remember being very aware that while I was in this holding place of the fourth dimension, that I was still somewhat connected to my body via my brain activity. I was aware that my heart had stopped, but that my brain was still alive and that it was like a tether of energy or like electricity. I knew that if I went further, my brain would cease to hold me near my body and I'd leave the room completely. I was out of my body, but still connected to it, but that I could choose to sever that and then I wouldn't be able to come back. It's crazy just them knowing that that's fact. Like they can feel what they're feeling and everything and just know just know what's going on. That's weird to me. Yeah, this was interesting, but And what if there was like a psychic like a psychic near death experience? Would that be even more specific and like all knowing? Wait, what do you mean psychic? Like maybe yeah. this person has like a different level of like consciousness to where that's why they could figure all this out in the little bit of time that they were dead. Hmm. I don't know. The way they're explaining everything just feels very matter of fact. So I'm just wondering, like, how do they know they can't, they maybe. don't have anybody to ask or, you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty yeah. crazy that they can feel what's, what's true whenever they're in that place. And it might just be that they have a closer link or they could just be lying. Like, obviously that's the, yeah, the more, the that. more realistic thing. But for some of these who really feel like they know what's going on in the afterlife, I wonder if it's just because they have a, a closer relationship with that kind of spirituality and all that. I mean, they're more open. Yes. But I also feel like he could have just been tripping and, not necessarily you. like because he took drugs, but like his brain is reacting to him dying. And this was the fucking experience that it was going to give him. You know what I mean? Right. To ease the. Yeah. Cause that also gives comfort too. It's like, yes. this is what's going on. This is what's happening. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So <laughs> those are the, well, there are a couple little bit of stories, but um, I wanted to share some comments that were, attached to some of those stories 
Mm. They're just little like I don't like little things that add to the conversation. Mm. Oh my god. It's barely 5.48, and I feel like it's 9 o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. So I remember reading somewhere that when your brain is starved of oxygen, nearly all of the neurons fire simultaneously in a last attempt to stay alive. I wonder if this is what causes these near-death experiences. Yes. Someone else said, I saw a documentary that explained the light at the end of the tunnel as your brain's activity receding from the outer surface all the way back to the base and the beginning of the spinal cord. What you're seeing when you see the light is the most basic functions of your reptile brain at work. It was fascinating to watch. That is kind of, it's like I love it. when you turn off the TV, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Someone else said, someone I knew that had that void happen to them while tripping. Okay, and then uh, this is about drugs. Mm -hmm. But it was black and there were these nebula, cloud-like things that were the only thing visible until they snapped back to reality. They said it was a universe that would consistently time lapse from beginning to end. Some shit I was thinking. <laughs> and someone else said, <clears throat> uh, the first time I did shrooms, I went to hell, not figuratively. Wow. Also, my mind got locked in a loop and I thought I was going insane. It was not fun. I did learn That's a lot so about funny. myself though. Like, what the fuck? Right. I know for real. I've yet to have any kind of psychedelic experience. That or... is what I'm so afraid of. Like I I'm slightly nervous, but I mean, if it's going to go that direction for me, all I can do is try to put myself in a positive mindset mm -hmm. and, you know, do all the stuff that they, they advise that you do have everything you need around you. Don't go too far. Um, be outside if you can in a safe area, all that mm -hmm. stuff. But yeah, I still have that kind of fear because when Hunter did DMT a long time ago, that wrecked him for years. I don't know how he was able to pull himself out of his depersonalization slash depression um, where his life, he feels like he's not in control and it feels like he's watching himself. Just like weird, a weird headspace to be in afterwards after meeting God or whatever, however he right. phrased it. I don't know, man. Your brain can really take you some wild places. So I really want to try it, but at the same time, I'm nervous. Right, because you could just never be the same after that. Yeah. So a lot of people say that. Jeremy, Some people are like, man, I've done it 12 times. It's great every time. I'm just like, whoa, yeah, I don't know if dude, I'd take that I don't chance understand. 12 times. Yeah. Like, all right, <laughs> I, think you're, uh, I think you're leaving chunks of brain matter. Yeah, in the, dude, I think you're killing something the wind. in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't feel a thing. His eyes are all crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing going on in there anymore. Jesus, mm. there's nothing else for you. You're not feeding anything in there. Jeez. All right. Maybe there's a, a good one or two times to try psychedelics. And but be, I feel All like right, the first is time is the best time. Like the first time is the. It time. opens that door. Yes. Yeah, it makes that connection. I don't know. I'm very interested. Very. Um, I'm very up for it is how I'll phrase it. But I am no, in no rush to, to, you know, I'm not going to rush it. In other words. I'll wait till yeah. I'm not so stressed. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted Jeremy to come in here and talk about, 
or tell we his experience. We should do a drug episode. With we DMT. should because it can really, it can really be. I don't know, a good conversation to have, in my opinion. But yeah. I mean, we'll wait, see. do you want to hear his story right now? Because it's not long. Might as well. Yeah, we're in. We're in this. Let me see. Hold on. Let me get him. Or I guess the most interesting one. What is it in relevance to? Just, um, just DMT. Well, because they say that near-death experiences are like whenever you are tripping on DMT. Because your brain releases the same. Chemical. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess I could just tell you the first time. Okay, well you gotta get closer, babe. Okay, so. First time I took DMT, <clears throat> I had uh, gotten not just the extract itself, but I had gotten the ayahuasca leaves with it. Uh, a lot of people miss, you know, miss like construe that or whatever that they just sprinkle the extract on the on like weed or tobacco or whatever. But the best way to get off on it is to mix your extract and your ayahuasca leaves together and smoked that well <clears throat> did that and we're packing it in bong loads so you start off taking a hit hold it in as long as you can blow it out start taking another hit hold it in as long as you can and by the third hit uh just instinctively you're already setting the bong down and uh you're along for the ride well um it went down exactly like that uh started uh tripping really hard and there was a guy his name was cliff he he was there with us and he was sitting across from me we're all sitting on the shag rug carpet you know my buddy's house he had a really cool little back uh little backyard apartment shag rug fucking nice and um so they're all sitting there staring at me waiting for my reaction to everything as it sets in um, my eyes are closed at the time, and it's like Vegas inside my head, all the lights. It's like closed-eye visuals, like very vivid, very intense. Um, it's like one of those screensavers from the old fucking Windows 95 computers <laughs> where it shows all the, you know, crazy shit. Uh, and um open my eyes, and I'm looking at Cliff. Cliff's laughing at me, and... I start seeing a, a holographic images printed on top of him. And these are like different things. Uh, and they're kind of like slapping on and slapping on and slapping on. So like they first start out as like a wilderness scene, not like a jungle, but like out in like the wilderness, you know, like mesquite tree, fucking bush and all that kind of shit. And then, mm -hmm. you know, slaps on like all these, um, like Aztec petroglyphs um, that are slapping on top of the wall and on top of cliff and then moving around uh, like some kind of weird, crazy Tetris. Um, and it's like blocks of this shit. And then it starts uh, an, another, you know, more images start pasting on, on top of that cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. And then I start, trying to text a friend of mine because he's trying to come over and do the shit too and i can't even text <laughs> uh I, I can barely read the screen of what i'm texting i'm focusing more on um 
what's going on around uh, my hands and phone, uh, which is the shag rug. And it's like the shag part of it's like swaying in the wind, like a fucking country prairie field. (laughs) And it it was pretty amazing. Um, How long do it last for? Oh, it doesn't last very long. Uh, 10, 15 minutes. That's it. Oh, good. What a relief. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that for hours. Yeah, if you're smoking it like that, you only want it to last 10 or 15 minutes. So then shrooms is what lasts Drink it, you know, how people go do those retreats and shit. That's like a good 12-hour shit. There you go. That's, okay, that's the version of it. For that long, you know. It was kind of convenient when I had the extract and the ayahuasca leaves because, you know, you could do a couple trips, and if you still had shit to do that day... You know, you could still do it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to commit. There was no commitment to it. And so all day. It was day, pretty nice. Yeah. There was a couple of times that saw all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. It was that one and Salvia are probably the two most intense. Yeah. Salvia um, is really crazy. Hallucinogenics I've ever taken. But uh, DMT felt cleaner. Like, um, and I mean, there were like so many little, like, like intangible kind of like beings that were there, like kind of putting their hands around the veil, you know, behind, they were like behind the curtain, but reaching over and like pulling it down and kind of looking Looking in at me. Oh no. Um, That's creepy. So, I mean, it's definitely one of those drugs that does take you places. Uh, I'd like to think maybe it's the fourth dimension. I don't know about. Whoa, we were just um, talking about that. Because it's so much easier. But it sounds like he uh, stayed pretty for grounded. Them to be mm-hmm. in our dimension than it is for us to be in theirs. That's why we'd have to take something like DMT or maybe even salvia as well to get into that kind of realm. And I mean, yeah, they would like kind of pull the veil back and then look and then put it back and like, you know, fix it. You know, like it, it was weird, like a shower curtain. That is so yeah. scary. It's cool. Well, well, thank you for so that, that, babe. Was my uh, experience with DNT. Thank you very much. I'd love to do it again. I want to do it. <laughs> we got to do it together so that I can be like, babe, help me. <laughs> Talk about those fucking alien reptile gods and shit. Well, okay. Um, I think that's Hunter's favorite is that how he's done it already and he's has no interest in doing it. So he likes when I try stuff because he I don't know, there's like something he gets like excited to hear what's going on whenever I'm taking something new or whatever. Yeah, because he doesn't have to go through it, but he can at least like supervise. Yeah. But that's crazy. So in his experience, thankfully, he wasn't taken out of his surroundings and put into completely new surroundings. It was just kind of like dipping a toe and his surroundings kind of changed around him yes. without, thank goodness. Some I people like, feel like they're completely alone whenever they're in another place. Well, and he did it that. with like a group of people too. So that's I feel good. like that also changed true the The more yeah the more you have going on in that current reality i feel like will keep you more grounded and yes freak out as easily um good the way he said that those people or those beings were like peeking in that was hell 
fucking terrifying. So it's like, are those real? Like, is that usually there and we just don't see yeah, it? Yeah, you or... just don't see it until you... Is this how being schizophrenic might feel? Like, I honestly you know, am not going to answer that. <laughs> I know. I'm scared of that. I'm honestly scared of that. Wondering. Yeah. How it can just kind of mix, like, mix in. How, like, um, a symptom of mental illness can kind of peek through when you're doing certain things with your brain and yes. your chemicals and stuff. I always bring that up because I never really thought of that until we started talking about this kind of stuff and it it seems pretty similar but it's completely not the same yeah. <laughs> like trying a drug recreationally and then being mentally ill and having something go on is completely yeah different obviously but it's strange that your brain can kind of i don't know i get what you're saying but wow that's wild yeah. um i'll have to ask hunter some more stories because he has other ones where he really felt like it was just the ultimate state of dread that you can feel mm -hmm. is how he felt one time and he called me in the middle of the night and i think it was some kind of seeds that he tried and he and it literally said do not eat the seeds because obviously they could be poisonous or you know it's too much and concentrated and he ate them and so he's having a panic attack and i'm talking to him on the phone in the middle of the night not much i can really do my parents are asleep. I can't just like go get him. He's like wanting to call 911. <laughs> and I'm like, just go wake up one of your friends, you know, drink some water. And I'm just trying to walk him through it because I don't know what he's experiencing. But he was telling me that it that he felt like one of his friends was trying to poison him. So it literally made no sense. Like that would not have been happening. But he felt he felt like it was. And yeah. that's so scary to me. Like, yeah, that is scary. What the f When your reality, like, you don't trust, like, that's weird to me. Like, I don't want it to go that far for me personally, but sometimes that's what happens, and you just have to kind of um, not lose your mind while that's happening. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, yeah. Imagine. And there's those, like, horror movies where somebody's tripping out way too much, and then somebody gets hurt because they're, like, defending themselves, and it's, we it's a whole messed up situation, mm -hmm. so... Guys, mm. do not mess around with that. Oh my god, that why did I just think about the Tide Pod situation whenever people are eating those? Oh things? my god. I don't I'm, know why you <laughs> That's what I thought of. Like, please don't try any crazy drugs and also don't eat any Tide Pods. Oh yeah, don't do drugs. Don't do that, guys. It's very scary. Yes. And if you do, at least do some research, goddammit, and like come on. I'm not gonna say don't do it. It's not like an abstinence thing. Be realistic. Of course, we all want to try things and experience them for ourselves, but we can at least do some research and make sure we're safe going about it in a safe way. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Mm -mm. Okay, carrying on. Okay. So I do want to say, because a lot of people were talking about being clinically dead and blah, blah, blah. There is a difference between clinical death and biological death. Like, so I'm going to give the two definitions here. But clinical death is when a person's heart stops pumping blood. They're still capable of being resuscitated, sometimes resulting in these near-death experiences. And biological death is when someone is well and truly dead. There's no bringing them back. <clears throat> biological death usually happens between four and six minutes after clinical death. 
leaving a period of time for near-death experiences to take place. So I feel like... Somebody said they were dead for like 10 minutes. Yeah, like I feel like that would have been like a solid... They really did experience some shit. Right. Because everybody else... And also time, you can't tell how long it is when you're dead until someone said you were dead for however long. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So most of those were pretty positive. They weren't like super crazy or well, they weren't super like scary or anything, but now I'm going to share some dark ones. Oh, goodness. So Matthew Botsford was standing outside an Atlanta restaurant when a shot rang out. Two men who'd been denied entry into the establishment moments earlier in what has to be one of the most over-the-top customer service freakouts of all time were indiscriminately firing at the front of the building. One of the bullets hit Botsford in the head. He remembers feeling a pain like a hot needle driving into his skull and then falling onto the pavement, at which point everything went black. He died three times on the way to and at the hospital before doctors Mm. finally put him into a medically induced coma that lasted for 27 days. Mm. His description of the things he saw while in that coma are nothing short of terrifying. Things began with him shackled at his wrists and ankles, suspended in midair over a deep glowing red pit. Inside the pit, Four-legged creatures roamed the floor while smoke billowed up from the magma below. Each plume of smoke contained exactly one tortured soul suffering all alone. Uh, That something else Botsford made note of was the isolation. All around him, he could hear the screams of millions of damned souls, but their company was meaningless because he understood that he was by himself and that this would last for eternity. Mm. Um, but then he isn't completely, completely alone because at one point, a team of demons show up to eat his flesh right from the bone, only to have it immediately grow back so that they could eat it again. No, that's terrifying. Yeah. <gasps> But he was spared when a gigantic hand reached through the wall and pulled him out. As it did, he heard someone say, it's not your time. Whoa. Mm. Did he feel pain, I wonder, when they were eating him? I think he said he did. Jesus. That's terrifying. If that was hell, what did he do to belong there? I know. Like, I don't, I don't know. That would freak me out forever. He's like, can I fix this before I have to come back? word like i would not want to i wouldn't even know what to do like there's Mm -hmm. no escaping right oh my god Mm -mm. angie finnamore attempted suicide in january 1991 and claims to have visited hell before she was saved after being subject to a life review where she had to relive her entire life as a series of images she entered hell at first all she saw was endless darkness and a group of other young people who she referred to as the suicides. Mm. She also spent time in a different part of hell where lost souls rambled through a field too miserable to interact with one another. Mm. And that reminds me of uh, Wrist Cutters. What is that? A movie. Never seen it. What? You would love it. 
Whoa. It's good. I'll look it up. I think it might be on Amazon Prime, actually. Whoa. So in December 1943, Dr. George Ritchie, who was suffering from pneumonia, perished for nine minutes. Oh. Richie claims his spirit rose from his hospital bed and glimpsed his dead body below before Jesus escorted him through a tour of the afterlife. Oh. One section of hell was reserved for people who never fulfilled their longings. What? And I don't. Whoa. He saw dead people in a bar desperately grasping for drinks. Like he what he walked into a bar that was filled with like regular humans, but he also saw dead people in there trying to grab the things that these people that were alive in the mm-hmm. bar were holding because they couldn't have it. Um, mm-hmm. And then in another part of hell, Richie saw a huge fight between souls of the dead with endless physical conflict and terrible perverse acts. He like, they were fighting, like it was a bunch of souls fighting, but some of them were like, the punishment was like fucking, like ass fucking and like just fucking crazy shit. I was going to say, I immediately knew what that meant for some reason. I guess not even. I don't know why. That's always gone hand in hand for hell because to me is like suffering and sodomy also- is a fucking yeah. sin and that's why stupid whoa i know it's dumb i have a very weird uh, not upbringing but like when it comes to sexuality and like feeling guilty that's mm-hmm. like a huge thing Word. so i assumed there was going to be some mention of something sexual in one of these at least when yes. the, um, hell was mentioned well yep there it is creepy April 1985, Father Jose Maniangit, uh, it's probably wrong, sorry, was hit by a drunk driver and nearly lost his life. Uh, the father claims that he saw heaven, hell, and purgatory during his near-death experience. He says, hell is about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and filled with souls <laughs> Aaron and Lilith are fighting uh, or playing. She sounds so little. <laughs> she is. She's only eight weeks. You have to fill us in before we sign off. Uh, yes. Filled with soul screaming and agony. He also says that there are seven level levels of hell and you are assigned to a level based on the severity of your sins that you committed. Hmm. And just like Dante's, Dante's Inferno. Dante's Interestingly, though, the father claims that to have seen fellow priests and bishops suffering in hell. Yeah. Many of them were there because they had misled the people with false teaching and bad example, he says. Mm. Yeah. Some, and this is just like the the next part that I'm about to read is just like a general thing of what people that had near-death experiences were witnessing when they went to hell. Mm-hmm. So um, some near-death experience survivors who have seen hell give us a description of the spirits moving along, but with the inability to hang on to or hold anything. And I know oh. that some of us out there have had dreams like that. And that yeah, is I was about to say that sounds like a nightmare. Yes. Sucks. Uh, they move through people who are still amongst the living as if they weren't even there. 
Um, many of the NDE survivors who have seen hell say that they moved right through walls and doorways as if on their way to some place. No matter how hard they tried to stay behind, they couldn't because they were powerless. There was an overwhelming force present pulling them away. No matter how badly they wanted to stay alive, the choice was no longer theirs. They were being dragged to their death or to hell, whether they liked it or not. Mm. Others claim that they remember being inside of a spiral vortex filled with darkness, falling to their inevitable demise. Some say that they were walking with, on top of, and alongside other corpses, skeletons, and skulls of the dead while in hell. And then some said that they're like the other souls that were damned had missing body parts or they didn't have a face at all. And others said that they couldn't speak or they were filled with unimaginable fear or rage. And then, of course, the smell of rotting flesh sulfur and tar and then the screaming and the torture oh horrible yeah um and there is one more thing that i want to talk about and that's shared death experiences do you know what those are (gasps) oh my gosh no okay so william peters was was working as a volunteer in a hospice when he had a strange encounter with a dying man that changed his life The man's name was Ron, and he was a former merchant marine who was afflicted with stomach cancer. Peter said that he would spend up to three hours a day at Ron's bedside, talking to and reading adventure stories to him because few family or friends visited. When Peter's plopped by Ron's bedside around lunch one day, the frail man was semi-conscious. Peter's read passages from Jack London's Call of the Wild as the frail man struggled to hang on. What happened next, Peter says, was inexplicable. Peter said that he felt a force jerk his spirit upward out of his body. He floated above Ron's bedside, looked down at the dying man. Then he glanced next to him to discover Ron floating alongside of him, looking at the same scene below. He looked at me and he gave me this happy, content look as if he was telling me, check this out. Here we are. Peter Whoa. said Peter said that he then felt his spirit drop, drop back into his body again. The experience was over in a flash. Ron died soon afterwards, but Peter's questions about that day lingered. He didn't know what to call that moment, but he eventually learned that it wasn't unique. Peter's had a shared death experience. So, okay, it says the twist in shared death stories is that it's not just the people at the edge of death that get a glimpse of the afterlife. Those near them, either physically or emotionally, also experience the sensation of dying. These shared death accounts come from assorted sources, soldiers watching comrades die on the battlefield, hospice nurses, people holding death vigils at the bedside of their loved ones. They all tell similar stories with the same message. People don't die alone. Uh, Some somehow find a way to share their passage to the other side. Raymond Moody coined the concept shared death experience after spending over 20 years collecting stories about the afterlife. This is a whole heavy conversation. I need a neurosurgeon on this thing stat to tell me everything I need to know. There actually is a scientist right now mm. who is, um, they, I think they, they might've started before 2015, but there is a, 
scientist that is doing the research for this stuff. Psychedelics? Or near-death? Near-death. Oh, well, like how everything... Um, how everything's firing up there? Yeah, like the way your brain is working whenever you die, basically. Cool. Oh, like... Uh, this thing says their research lab is dedicated to improving resuscitation care by mitigating brain injury mm. uh, so that when people are brought back to life through CPR, they're not a shell of their former selves. Wow. And I, and it goes into like other stuff, whatever, but yeah. Um, Dang. Oh, okay. So to know if you have experienced a shared death experience mm. there are seven uh i guess characteristics but okay one is seeing the dying person's spirit leave the body mm. two accompanying the dying person uh part way towards a light number three experiencing a change in geometry of the room mm. um Four, hearing beautiful music. Five, seeing a brilliant light. Six, perceiving spirits entering the room. <gasps> Whoa. Did I have a shared death experience? Uh, have we all? I'm wondering. Have any of us? Number seven. Uh, oh, empathically co-living the life review of a dying person. Oh, that would be... <laughs> that is so fucking cool. That's Look. something. Oh my god! Bystanders view images or scenes of the live of the life of the person who is passing away. Sometimes this takes the form of a holographic panorama that surrounds the bed of the dying. <gasps> Didn't Jeremy just fucking say? <laughs> what the hell? Yes. That's creepy. Is he dying? Somebody around him was dying. Somebody close by. Because you can be like long distance from like the even people that like whenever a twin feels their their twin fucking die or whatever. That's a shared death experience. Or like a mother feels whenever their kid dies. It has to be a very close link. Yeah. Or your brain is just very open. Yeah. Or you're psychic. That can happen. Like if you are in the next room from, if you're at a hospital visiting and you're, the person in the next room dies, right. just because you're in the vicinity, you're gonna have whatever is projecting. Or an out. apartment, or yeah, whatever. or something like that. Whoa, that's wild. Mm-hmm. I had not known this was a thing. This shared death, near death experience thing. I didn't know that. Yes. Or in general, death experience. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow, cool. Well, that was very enthralling. Oh, it was a long, messy road. It was good. Um, yeah, that opens uh, opens us up to a bunch of other questions and conversations, as usual, with the whole dimensions and our brain activity, what happens when we die. It's just all in all a big, heavy subject that stays interesting no matter what angle you try to approach it. And thanks to Jeremy for that really cool, interesting story. When people talk about seeing things, I it's hard to explain. And how movies portray what the 
um, drug experience is like, it's hard to imagine, Mm -hmm. I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. So when he says he like sees like um, holograms and stuff like that, it's like hard to imagine. Yeah, it it is very. Yeah. Like you have um, to experience it yourself to know what the fuck he's even. Right. Right, because even even like seeing people smoke weed in movies and the way that they th- are portraying it, it's not really the same. But they do what they can to try to get the point across. Right. Um, and I didn't know that till I started smoking weed, and I was like, okay, that's why they put those weird effects on the. <laughs> that's <laughs> why the background to was simulate. spinning and fucking that seventy show. Right. Exactly. So. Um, anyways, very cool stuff. Ooh. Um, if you or if anybody that's listening wants to yes. read, like I think it's a creepy pasta, um, or if you have already, um, there's one called "The Egg" by Ooh. Andy Ware, and that shit it has it's like uh, I haven't read it. I'm gonna have to. I have it right here. If you want me to read it, do you want to? Sure. I mean, I could. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, here we go. You were on your way home when you died. It was a car accident. Nothing particularly remarkable, but fatal nonetheless. You left behind a wife and two children. It was a painless death. The EMTs tried their best to save you, but to no avail. Your body was so utterly shattered, you were better off. Trust me. And that's when you met me. What? What happened? You asked. Where am I? You died. I said, matter-of-factly, no no point in mincing words. There was a, a truck, and it was skidding. Yep, I said. I, I died. Yep, but don't feel bad about it. Everyone dies, I said. You looked around. There was nothing. There was nothingness, just you and me. What is this place, you asked. Is this the afterlife? More or less, I said. Are you God, you asked. Yep, I replied, I'm God. My kids, my wife, you said. What about them? Will they be all right? That's what I like to see, I said. You just died and your main concern is for your family. That's good stuff right there. You looked at me with fascination. To you, I didn't look like God. I just looked like some man or possibly a woman, some vague authority figure maybe more of a grammar school teacher than the almighty don't worry i said they'll be fine your kids will remember you as perfect in every way they didn't have time to grow contempt for you your wife will cry on the outside but will be secretly relieved to be fair your marriage was falling apart if it's any consolation she'll feel very guilty for feeling relieved oh you said so what happens now do i go to heaven or hell or something Neither, I said, you'll be reincarnated. Ah, you said, so the Hindus were right. All religions are right in their own way, I said. Walk with me. You followed along as we strode through the void. Where are we going? Nowhere in particular, I said. It's just nice to walk while we talk. So what's the point then, you asked. When I get reborn, I'll just be a blank slate, right? A baby? So all my experiences and everything I did in this life won't matter. Not so, I said. You have within you all the knowledge and experiences of all your past lives. You just don't remember them right now. I stopped walking and you took me by the shoulders. Your soul 
is more magnificent, beautiful, and gigantic than you can possibly imagine. I stopped walking and took you by the shoulders. Your soul is more magnificent, beautiful, and gigantic than you can possibly imagine. A human mind can only contain a tiny fraction of what you are. It's like sticking your finger in a glass of water to see if it's hot or cold. You put a tiny part of yourself into the vessel, and when you bring it back out, you've gained all the experience it had. You've been in a human for the last 48 years, so you haven't stretched out yet and felt the rest of your immense consciousness. If we hung out here for long enough, you'd start remembering everything, but there's no point in doing that between each life. How many times have I been reincarnated then? Oh, lots, lots and lots. And in to lots of different lives, I said, this time around, you'll be a Chinese peasant girl in 540 AD. Wait, what? You're sending me back in time? Well, I guess technically time as you know it only exists in your universe. Things are different where I come from. Where you come from, you said. Oh, sure, I explained. I come from somewhere somewhere else and there are others like me i know you'll want to know what it's like there but honestly you wouldn't understand oh i you said a little let down but wait if i get reincarnated to other places in time i could have interacted with myself at some point sure happens all the time and with both lives only aware of their own lifespan you don't even know what's happening. So what's the point of it all? Seriously, I asked. Seriously, you're asking me for the meaning of life? Isn't that a little stereotypical? Well, it's a reasonable question, you persisted. I looked you in the eye. The meaning of life, the reason I made this whole universe is for you to mature. You mean mankind? You want us to mature? No, just you. I made this whole universe for you. With each new life, you grow and mature and become a larger and greater intellect. Just me? What about everyone else? There is no one else, I said. In this universe, there's just you and me. You stared blankly at me. But all the people on Earth, all you, different incarnations of you. Wait, I'm everyone? Now you're getting it, I said with a congratulatory clap on the back. I'm every human being who ever lived or whoever will live. Yes. I'm Abraham Lincoln and you're John Wilkes Booth, too, I added. I'm Hitler, you said appalled, and you're the millions he killed. I'm Jesus and you're everyone who followed him. You fell silent. Every time you victimize someone, I said, You were victimizing yourself. Every act of kindness you've done, you've done to yourself. Every happy and sad moment ever experienced by any human was or will be experienced by you. You thought for a long time. Why, you asked me, why do all of this? Because someday you will become like me. Because that's what you are. You're one of my kind. You're my child. Whoa, you said incredulously and Gradulously. You mean I'm God? You mean I'm a god? No, not yet. You're a fetus. You're still growing. Once you've lived every human life throughout all time, you can have grown enough to be born. You will have grown enough to be born. 
So the whole universe, you said, it's just an egg, I answered. Now it's time for you to move on to your next life, and I sent you on your way. Whoa. That was like reincarnation and this shit put together. It really was, and that that is a totally different perspective than... And that's all it is, is like your universe is just your perception of the universe. Yeah. Cool. Isn't it crazy? Mm. Yeah. The little one. She's ready to be rambunctious. Yeah, she's fighting with the wolf again. <laughs> the wolf well, that was really it. cool. Oh, yeah, that's that's not... <laughs> Fawn's working on that right now, and she's two. Oh, shit. Wonderful. She wants all the toys. Um, Very cool stuff. Very cool episode. I do want the scoop on how Apple was brought home. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I got the random itch to get a dog. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, Lilith really <laughs> needed somebody to play with. And I was getting, like, more and more upset, like, just watching her, like, desperately, like. Want to play. Yes. And, like, I mean, I can't play with her. I mean, I'm not going to be playing with her for, like, 15 hours a day, you know. Right. So um, I decided to get a dog and I went to the, our shelter here, Paws, the dogs, there was some, they were closed for quarantine because the some of the dogs got sick and died. So they were like trying <gasps> to figure out what the fuck was going on. Um, so I went to Midland and I adopted her from the shelter there. And originally, because Midland has a Facebook page for their animal shelter, and originally I had seen, like, other puppies that I wanted, and when I got there, which, oh, I didn't even tell you, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I originally wanted a dog from the Humane Society of Odessa, and I got approved. They told me I could have her, and then remember the whole shit with me, um freaking out because that rescue wanted her blah 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 Mm -hmm. so oh no that was at that was at the animal shelter so Mm -hmm. um I got really discouraged because of that I was like god damn it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna end up getting her so Mm -hmm. I got a call from the Humane Society of Odessa and they told me that I got approved and I could and the dog but the dog that I wanted was already adopted so the director was like you can just come and look at the dogs that we have and we'll do an application again for that one. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. cool. So I was like, well, I'll just do that. Cause I'm guaranteed a dog. So mm-hmm. I get there bright as fuck and early it, or they opened at 10. So I got there at 10. They didn't fucking, I stood at the gate for like 20 minutes and then finally they oh fucking opened. And the lady, apparently none of the people that worked there, like, communicate so um I had to oh and the dog that I did want there that I was like okay well I'm guaranteed a dog so I'm just gonna get this one she was like Mm -hmm. there are two people in front of you that want that one too and I was like okay but last night I was told and she's like well you still have to fill out this application and they Mm -hmm. that night they told me that the fee was like 80 something or whatever I was like that's Mm -hmm. fine and then 
when she, this lady found out that like a bunch of people wanted this dog, she was like, it's two fifty. <gasps> and I was like, fuck that. And I fucking left. And I was pissed because mm-hmm. the Odessa is like 35 minutes away from Midland. And mm-hmm. I was our, I was two hours past whenever the Midland shelter opened. So I was like, great, all the fucking puppies I wanted are gone. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I get there and all the fucking puppies are gone. And uh, uh, I was, one of the workers saw me like going up and down the fucking hallway. And they were like uh, asking me questions or whatever. And they were like, well, we have, because uh, I was like, there's no more puppies like at all. And they were like, um, we actually have some that were dropped off. Uh, earlier this morning owner surrender so I was like okay let's go see and I didn't want a big dog like I was like I want like a medium-sized dog but they were the only puppies and they were their lab (laughs) she said lab and healer mix but we were Uh looking it up and she is if there's healer in her it's like a little bit but Mm -hmm. she has to be lab and american bulldog really yeah that's exactly what she looks like like as wise mm-hmm. so i was like oh man she's gonna be a big dog <laughs> yeah but as soon as i saw her first i, wa- I like i went up to the, the cage and and they weren't mm-hmm. inside they were outside because they were cleaning their kennels so that's why i didn't see mm-hmm. them on the inside so mm-hmm. the worker took me out to the back so I could see them in their little thing outside. And uh, how many of them were there? I think there was like her? six. Oh, with her brothers and sisters. Yeah, and they were so freaking cute. And they were all—they couldn't tell if they were seven or eight weeks, but it was roughly around that time, or around there. But uh, of course, uh, Apple's brother walks up to the to the gate and I was like I mean he was the only the other puppies just sat there and looked at me but he like ran up there and was like <laughs> what's going on and all this shit and I was like oh my god I want this one but then I realized it was a boy and I didn't want to get a boy for mm-hmm. a plethora of reasons so I was very upset and then um the worker went in there and she was like you're looking for a female I can just find one that's a female so she lifted up two females and they were not <laughs> as cute and then she wow she i mean they were cute but they just (laughs) they didn't speak to me okay and then she lifted up apple and i was like oh my god (laughs) her little face and you knew what to call her right away i did actually she instantly was apple to me the apple of your eye Mm How sweet. Yeah. Well, good for you and congratulations and good luck Thanks. in the future. It's like having an actual baby. It's fucking ridiculous. Literally. Oh my goodness. But. Yeah, I just took a Snapchat of Fawn sticking her paws under the closet door because she's, <laughs> she's very, she's not as whiny as Frances is, but she will gently remind me that she exists. <laughs> she's like, hello. Yeah, like when we're eating, she begs very politely, but she's still begging, so it's bad. But it's hard to be mad at her because she's so sweet and cute. And yeah, girl puppies are just so much... I don't know how to explain it, but they just seem to get trained easier. Like, they understand you better or something. Mm -hmm. They're, like, willing to pay attention or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
Whereas boys, they just want to be the leader. So they don't care about like being the best. They'll, they'll kind of train, but I mean, it has to do with me as well. I'm not trying to, and Fawn was our third. So it gets easier by the third time. <laughs> you kind of learn did not. That was, what to train, third. how to train them. There you go. And she seems to be getting her little schedule down very oh, well. Oh, yeah. So good. But she, it was like she was getting me used to that schedule because she already was, it was down pat with her. That's so lucky. Good for you. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's going to get big. Fawn is supposedly half healer, half lab. And she kind of stagnated on the growing, but I'm waiting because she has big paws. Yeah. That's what they say. Like you can really tell by the size of a puppy's paws how big they're going to be, but. I'm waiting for her growth spurt if she's going to get any bigger. It's hard to know with the mixed breeds. Yeah, But that's is. cute. I want to do the DNA thing for dogs. For the dogs. Yeah. I agree. I want to do it. It's the same little conspiracy, though, that when you do that, the insurance companies get the information. So they'll see, oh, your dog has a likelihood of heart disease. So we're going to start advertising to you all of this vet stuff for heart disease. Or your dog is more likely to get um, cancer of this kind. So jump on board with this medication sooner than later. Well, that shit already happens anyways. I can fucking... It's good to at least know. Especially for dogs. I mean, yeah, it is good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Good deal. Well, this was a long one. I like that, though, because that'll be stretched pretty good for this this week what should be the question or the poll um or both? have you had a near-death experience no, no no um i'll write it down what do you <laughs> think is in the afterlife well guys that was episode 73 near-death experiences a lot of those people have joined organizations i saw a documentary i'm not sure if it was the same one that one of the redditors wrote about but um there is a documentary about people who have survived and they all joined this group to talk about it because a lot of them, like you said, have PTSD or they feel like they're a shell of themselves mm-hmm. or like something got mixed up along the way after they came back. So guys, look into that. It's very sad, but also very intriguing and interesting that there are groups of these people who can relate to one another and kind of explain what they went through. And hopefully there's like scientists in on this too, to explain on the side of the brain, what's actually going on. Cause it is very weird that a lot of people have the same thing kind of happen whenever they almost die um, or they're dead for four minutes or whatever. They experience similar things. So that's very cool. So We want to know what you guys think. There will be a question on Spotify and there will be a question um, in terms of our poll for this week. We'll come up with that and set that up on Spotify as well. Yeah. So you guys, thanks for listening. And if you can, please submit a review to Apple Podcasts so that we can read it and make sure you tell your family and friends about our giveaway that's ending mid-February so that we can get our stories in and have some to read. And yeah, just generally stay safe be careful thank you for listening so did we give you the creeps